All right, well, let's, uh, let's pray, and, uh, and then we'll begin. So, Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this letter to the Ephesian church that you gave um, under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, you gave to Paul to write for the building up of the church, not only in Ephesus, but in our life as well, in our church today. And God, we, um, we thank you for your word. Your word is true. Your word is powerful. And it does not return void. And so, Lord, I, I pray right now that as your word is being spoken, as we read, as we meditate on your word, that there would be a work done in our hearts this morning, that you would anoint the preaching, uh, that it would impact not only um, tr- Trinity, but myself, and um, just those who may happen to hear it on the podcast. And so, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. <sighs> I want to thank you for your prayers. Um, I don't know, I guess when, I, when it comes to speaking, um, I'll be honest with you, I still get very nervous. Um, so this upcoming trip to Stainer, uh, yeah, I'm very, very nervous, but I know that, you know, ultimately God is the one that's going to minister through me. And so I just want to uh, ask for your continued prayers this week. Um, two sermons a day. Yeah, it's, it'll be good. It'll be good. But might be tiring, but it'll be good. It'll be good. Yeah, it's going to be good. So, so we've been uh, going through a sermon series here at Trinity uh, called Spiritual Warfare. Uh, we've been on this series for a while now. It's, uh, it came at the tail end of our series in the book of Ephesians. Um, if you've missed any of the, any of the sermons, you can, um, you can listen to them online on our podcast, trinityemc.com. Um, they're up there, and uh, you know we've been looking at the different pieces of armor that Paul has been mentioning in Ephesians chapter six, verses ten to eighteen. Um, he talked about the different pieces of armor, and we looked at the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Um, Wayne Broadland preached uh, not too long ago on the shield of faith. Um, I talked about the shoes, the shoes fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Um, and today we're going to look at the uh, helmet of salvation. Um, but before, you know, before we get into it, you know, it's such a heavy topic. I want to share with you kind of a funny story. Um, now, those of you, you, you probably know that when I first came to the Lord, this was back in 2003, I was led to the Lord by a homeless man. And uh, I had just come out of a lifestyle of drugs and violence and, and so on and I was at Williams Coffee Pub and a homeless man came up to me and he was the one that led me to the Lord. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that he taught me was spiritual warfare. As a brand new Christian, that's what I learned. Spiritual warfare. It was heavy. But you know what? I gotta, when looking back, I'm just so thankful to God that I was discipled this way because coming out of a lifestyle of drug and, drugs and violence, I mean, it wasn't like all of a sudden the devil was like, you know what, I'm just going to leave James alone now. He's a Christian now. Let's just leave him alone, okay? It didn't happen that way. In fact, the battles became like severe at times, right? Temptations and that old lifestyle trying to bring me, suck me back into my old lifestyle. It was heavy. Um, but, but 
because I was discipled in spiritual warfare, uh, I was able to realize, well, my, our battle, my battle is not against flesh and blood. You know, there's, there's a spiritual element here. There's, there's forces of evil in the heavenly places and, and God has given us armor to combat and to have authority over that. And so as a young Christian, I took it very seriously and maybe a little bit overboard at times where I'd be, you know, rebuking demons and evil spirits in everything. <laughs> everything, everyone, every, wherever, okay? And so I was at the University of Waterloo and uh, I was a student there. And I would, this is what I would do. At night, I would put on, like, headphones, which was attached to a portable CD player. <laughs> you guys, so you're like, what on earth is that? Um, I don't even know if they make them anymore. I mean, maybe they do, but anyways, I had my portable CD player. They had MP3 players back then, but they were like bricks, and they were probably cost like $1,000 or whatever. But anyway, I had my portable CD player on. I put my worship CD in there. And I would just blare the worship music, and I would walk around Ring Road at night so that, you know, there was less people around. And I would be praying loudly, like, in Jesus' name, I come against the spirit of apathy in the name of Jesus. I come against these spirits that are holding people away from Jesus. And and I'd be, you know, speaking in tongues and whatever, and I'd be walking around Ring Road like this really loud and it was good that I had the earphones on because, like, I couldn't hear myself, right? So I just kept going, you know, around and around and uh, thinking that I was like a spiritual battler, okay? So I, I would do this, and I did this often. Well, one time, I was going around Ring Road, and I, ha- I, was having, I had my eyes closed for a moment, and I was, like, again, just praying out loud, really loud, like, in Jesus' name, <sighs> really loud, really loud, and I opened my eyes for a moment, and there was a guy standing or riding his bike next to me, looking at me like this. What, what in the world? And I, and I, I was like, whoa, kind of scared me. So I t- took my earphones off. I was like, yes? And he's like, what are you doing? And I look over. I'm like, I'm, I'm praying. He goes, really? Can I join you? And I'm like, what? You want to join me? Sure. So then we, you know, went around Ring Road together, him on his bike. I was walking. And I toned down my prayer at that point. You know, I wasn't rebuking things and so on. In Jesus' name. I was more, Father, let your spirit come. You know, I, we just, I just pray for revival to come upon this campus. And let me tell you, I had a, that passion for revival then. Uh, I think it's stronger today, but I had it then too. And I was just praying and praying with this, this guy, and I, I quickly found out that he wasn't a believer, actually. He just thought I was weird, I think. But something was drawing him to this weirdness. So then we were talking, and I shared with him a little bit of my story, and I was like, you know, why don't you come out to church? Uh, and so I invited him out to the embassy, which uh, met on Monday nights, and uh, I was like, why don't you come on out to that? And he was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, Really? Wow, like he actually came out. So the following week at embassy, he was there. And uh, he he brought a friend and introduced uh, his friend to me. And he was like, this is the guy that was praying. You know, and I just, it was just so neat. But, uh, you know, I don't know exactly whatever happened uh, to him. But he did come out to church. And my hope and my prayer is that he came to the Lord somehow. But looking back, I'm like, man. 
God uses the weird things that we do, you know, and, and he can use that for his glory. And, and it doesn't necessarily make, may, it may not make sense to us, but somehow God can use that. And so, hey, I just, I really hope that he did come to the Lord. But yeah, just want to share that funny story with you. Uh, but, you know, over the years, I've realized that spiritual warfare, uh, there is a time for that. I think there is a time when we're doing ministry um, to, to discern what spirits are at work in the life of a person or in the life of, uh, you know, a group or whatnot. There is a time and place for that, absolutely. And we do that kind of prayer ministry here at Trinity Church. Um, Deliverance-type ministry, spiritual warfare prayers, absolutely. It's something that is it's vital. Um, and something that we will continue to have teaching for. Uh, I believe it's, it's uh, necessary for us to have wisdom and teaching and clarity on, on spiritual warfare in terms of that kind of ministry. But for the life of a Christian, the day-to-day walk, the Christian walk, the spiritual battles that we face on a day-to-day basis happen in our minds. There is a battle going on in our mind maybe you've heard uh maybe you've heard of books and teachings out there battlefield of the mind joyce meyer has a, has a book battlefield of the mind one of her older books it's a very very powerful book uh, and there are many others talking about how the spiritual battle that takes place primarily in the life of a christian is in the mind and that's why the bible talks about we need to take captive every thought right to make it obedient to christ Because our battle often takes place in the mind. And this is where we come to this next piece of armor that we are going to be looking at today, which is the helmet of salvation. Looks pretty good, eh? Not bad. Can't imagine going into battle with this exactly. It's plastic, but anyway. Uh, The helmet of salvation. So helmets, I mean, of course, they're used to protect your head. Right? They, were, they were vital pieces of armor for the Romans, the Roman soldiers. But you know what? They're still, of course, they're still vital today. Soldiers wear helmets today. Um, you wear a, heim- a helmet when you go on your bike or on a motorcycle or whatnot. We, we have to protect our heads right? because our heads contain our brain. <laughs> it needs to be protected. And so, um, but the Roman battle helmet, you take a look here. It was actually a very sophisticated helmet to protect the head. Very sophisticated for its time. In fact, a lot of their armor was very sophisticated for their time. They had the, like, the battle technology of its time. Um, the Roman helmet was made of bronze, uh, sometimes iron. It was very strong, very heavy. Um, and it had these cheek protectors that came you know, down on the side but also on, on the back to protect the neck. And so the idea of these things was to protect um, you know, from arrows or from any, any kind of sword fighting that would happen. It was to protect the face, the neck, and so on. Now, uh, the Roman helmets also contained these plumes. Um, kind of looks like a mohawk, right? But uh, these plumes, they were worn typically uh, when there was a parade or like some sort of procession into a, uh, an area where the Romans kind of took over and they're you know, declaring their sovereignty over that land. What they would do, you know, the soldiers would wear these and there's different 
sizes and colors and so on to uh, signify rank. And so that's what these are for. But during battle, they would take the plume off. And, and I'm, I'm just guessing that that little knob on the top there was what held that plume in place. Um, so during battle, they would take that off. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is what the Roman battle helmet looked like. Um, it was very well designed to protect the head. Now, it's important to note that even though the Roman helmet was sophisticated, uh, the way it was designed was superior to other, you know, other models out there. You know, in those times, the, some people, I guess, other countries in that time, uh, made helmets out of leather and bones. They just wrap it around their head. That's what they used. Um, and so this was seriously a superior helmet. But even though it was superior, it wasn't the first line of defense for the soldier. I think it's important to note that. That a soldier wouldn't go into battle with you know, his hands down and head first going, I'm okay, I'm protected, my head's protected. You know, I could just go in there head first like this. He would never do that. The helmet is the last line of defense. The first line of defense was the shield. Right? The shield was the first line of defense. The shield is what the soldier relied upon first before the helmet. And you know what? In our spiritual battle, it's the same. It's the same. We need to take up the shield of faith even before we put on the helmet of salvation because the shield of faith is our first line of defense. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 to 17 says this, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. Okay. The shield of faith and the helmet of salvation are tied together. They go hand in hand. Right? And we're going to talk more about that uh, in a moment. But first I want to mention the darts. Because okay? in Ephesians 6.16 it says that the shield of faith is used to extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. Right? The flaming darts of the evil one. Satan uses darts to attack us. And these darts come in a variety of ways, temptation, and so on. But the one way I want to talk about this morning is very important for us to know. Very often used, in fact, very regularly, the enemy uses this type of arrow, this type of dart to attack us and to harass us. And that is um, accusations. You see, in the book of Revelation, Satan is described as the accuser of the brothers. Isn't that interesting? That is the description of who he is. The accuser of the brothers. The one who brings accusations day and night. Right? He accuses. He brings accusations against God's people. Right? And you might ask, well, what sort of accusations does the devil bring against believers? To set things up, I want to talk about salvation, okay? I want to talk about salvation to set up, you know, what kind of darts the enemy fires at us. We need to talk about salvation. First of all, salvation is a gift of God, right? In fact, Paul talks about this earlier in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, in verse 8, where he says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Now, notice what Paul says, that you and I have been saved through faith, not by our own doing. 
Not by our own works of righteousness. Not through our intelligent choices or our personal characteristics. That's not what saves us. Salvation isn't something we can obtain through our own doing. Salvation is totally a gift of God. It is totally a gift of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are saved through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sin. Period. It's free. Salvation. It's free. It costs a lot, but it's free. We're saved by grace. We're reconciled to God. By God's grace, by faith. But how many of you know that once we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that once we make that declaration, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, that life doesn't always, you know, just suddenly become easy and gradually more and more easy, right? We face battles. We still struggle with sin. We still struggle with temptation. We still experience storms in life. And let me tell you something, because of that, the devil targets his attack on that. The fact that we have the tendency to fall, that we have the tendency to fall short, to sin, to to go through all sorts of different trials and circumstances in life. The devil has a target on that very aspect of our lives. And he brings accusations, especially when we fall. And just like any dart or arrow in normal warfare, the spiritual darts, they come unexpectedly. And we can't predict when the enemy's going to fire a dart at us, fire, fire an accusation at us. We, if we did, we'd be ready all the time. We don't know. They come unexpectedly. And since they're flaming darts, when they hit, when they hit us, they burn, they hurt. Accusations like, if you're a Christian... How could you do that? Have you ever heard that one before? If you call yourself a Christian, how could you think like that? What's wrong with you? There's something wrong. You're not really saved. Have you ever heard that? Or, you know, if you are really a follower of Jesus, why would you react like that? There's something wrong with you. You're not really a believer, are you? Onslaught after onslaught after onslaught. Those are fiery darts targeting our identity, targeting our salvation, targeting who we are, targeting who we think we are and who we think God is. He can fire darts at you that says, you know what? God's given up on you. You haven't spent time with him. He gives up. You give up, he gives up. See you later. God gave up on you. He's not going to listen to you. Why bother praying? He's not going to listen to you. Why would he listen to you? Have you heard that before? Have you heard things like this before? Those are darts. It's not true. They're darts, accusations that the enemy fires at us. When I was at, at Camp Mishawa a couple weeks ago, the chapel speaker, um, oh, phenomenal preacher, week one's uh, chap, chapel speaker. Uh, he's been in a part of the EMCC for many years. He's pastored 
you know, several different churches. And um, he was sharing his story uh, just a few years uh, into his pastoral ministry. He experienced burnout, um, and it was pretty severe. And for a period of several years, he was out of the ministry. In fact, he was completely out. Um, He described how he fell into a deep depression um, and that he was suffering from uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. And he was just out. Um, And he was sharing this, being very open and vulnerable. And I was just like, wow, he's very, just laying it all out there, you know. And um, at one point he said that for a whole year, he didn't pray or open the, the word of God for a whole year. And you can imagine the onslaught that he would have experienced. What kind of pastor are you? You don't pray? You're not a pastor. How could you not pray? You didn't open the word of God? You're not a real pastor. No wonder you're the way you are. No wonder God took you out of the ministry. You're done. So he experienced this kind of accusation in his own mind. But let me tell you this. Not only within himself did he hear this kind of thing, he heard other people say, actually, people say this. He overheard a couple of people talking about him, saying, oh, this pastor so-and-so, oh, yeah, he's done. Oh, he's he's never going to come back into ministry. He's done. He overheard that. And so added to the already the onslaught from the enemy he's experiencing he hears people say that. And, I mean, it, it was brutal for him. And he began to deal with bitterness, anger. And, and I love how he put it. He said, bitterness is anger in deep freeze. It's like, wow, that's powerful. And although it's in deep freeze, it affects your life. Absolutely does. And he, he fell into a depression. He fell into uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. It devastated his life. Now, towards the end of this period of the storm that he was experiencing in life, he, he prayed. He came to that place where he's like, I got to pray. I just got to come before the Lord and, and pray. And so when he did that, the Lord spoke to him. God is so good. He is so gracious. He spoke to him and he said, so you didn't pray to me, uh, this whole time, did you? And uh, this pastor said, no, I didn't. And the Lord spoke to him again and said, well, you didn't open your word. You didn't open your Bible this whole time, did you? He's like, no, Lord, I didn't. And this is where I was just so, wow, about the grace of God. God spoke to him, and this is what the Lord said. I want you to know that I love you the same no matter what, my son. I love you the same. I don't love you any less even if you did all those things. Powerful revelation. And when he heard God say that, the enemy's accusations were broken down by those words from God. This pastor, he took those words from the Lord by faith and it became a shield against the accusations from the enemy. 
He was able to be restored. He was able to understand what those accusations were, that it wasn't the truth, that it wasn't who he was, that they were in fact darts from the enemy and that he could stand against them. He was able to realize who he truly was. I am a child of God. We sing about it, right? I am a child of God. That is our identity in Christ Jesus. That is who we are. And he was able to put on the helmet of salvation to guard against those attacks from the enemy. This pastor encountered the radical love and grace of God. He encountered the peace of God and he was restored. Restored back to life. Restored into the ministry. And man, can he preach. It, it just comes from a deep place. You can feel what he's saying. Do you know what I mean? It's just, you hear what he says, but you also, you also feel it because it comes from a deep place. And let me tell you something. God is doing awesome things in this pastor's life. Um, I wish I could just share his name. I didn't ask him if I could say, you know, this story. So I'll just keep it anonymous for now. I'm sure he would be fine with it. But um, God's doing amazing things in his church. Revival's breaking out. You're going to hear about this pastor for sure in the, in the coming years, in the coming, you know, months and years. Uh, but God's doing amazing things. And, you know, what the devil meant for evil, God used for good. God was with him even through the dark time in his life. Powerful story. And I learned something when I heard this pastor speak. I learned that when the flaming darts of accusation come, because they come, oh, they come, we need to remember something, that we have armor that God has given us, that we do. We have access to it. Each one of us who are in Christ Jesus, we have access to the armor of God. Right? That's why it's called the armor of God. We could stand confidently in that armor. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6.10 tells us this is what we're to do. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our battles, our temptations, we need to know that there is armor available and that we can put it on to combat the darts of accusation. And so I, w- I just want to end with a few steps that we can take. What are some steps we can take so that we can successfully use the armor of God? Well, number one, when the darts come, take up the shield of faith. And I want to highlight that part, taking up the shield of faith. Okay? The shield of faith doesn't just come up automatically when the accusations come. It's not like, ping, ping, you have it automatically. Okay? You got to pick it up. You got to take up the shield. It's something that we have to consciously do. Take up the shield of faith. We need to make a declaration when the accusations come. Because sometimes when those accusations come, it, it could seem like we're ducks in a pond, just getting pelted by the enemy. There's no armor available. I'm just helpless. But that's not true. We're not ducks in a pond. We are men and women of God with armor. We need to take it up, though, and, and declare in Jesus' name, My trust and my hope is in Jesus Christ who died for me. He is with me through this time. In Jesus' name, I stand firm and I believe that God is with me. You take up that shield of faith. Number two, what we need to do is we need to identify the dart. We need to identify the dart. 
Remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Now, the pastor that I mentioned earlier, I mentioned how he overheard people talking about him saying, oh, he's done, right? People said that. Let me tell you something. The devil can use that. Even though people say things about us, and sometimes they're like darts on their own. They can lodge in our hearts and in our minds and affect us deeply. Let me tell you something. The devil uses that through a dart of bitterness, a dart of anger. Maybe it's lust, pride. The devil can use those things. When we are experiencing the battle in our minds, when we are experiencing that this peace is somehow dissipating, it's, 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 it's lifting, what's going on? And you're experiencing these darts, these accusations. Take a moment, take a moment and stop and be like, well, what's going on here? And take it to the Lord and say, what's going on, Lord? What am I experiencing right now? Anger? And you take that dart. You identify it. And you take it to the Lord. And you deal with it with him. And you could deal with it with God. But first you need to identify it. Number three, you, ha- you have to have faith that every dart can be extinguished. Every dart of bitterness, anger, accusation, all these negative things, we can have faith to extinguish all of them. All of them. Ephesians 6.16 says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. God has given you and I armor to deal with every single dart of accusation that tries to come to burn you and harass you. Now, this is where I need to mention something very important, very, very important. There is a difference between the accusation of of the enemy and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They can seem very similar. The accusations of the enemy and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. Okay? For instance, I mean, the Holy Spirit, part of the Holy Spirit's role is to convict us when we are in sin, when we are doing something that is contrary to what God has for us. The Holy Spirit's like a GPS system. Wrong way, wrong way, this way. You're going the wrong way, right? That's what the Holy Spirit's role is in our lives. But the Holy Spirit's role when he brings conviction, the focus of that conviction is the thing that we're doing, is the word that we said, not who we are. Do you catch what I'm saying? The conviction of the Holy Spirit's focus is on the sin, not the one who committed, but the sin. Oh, you did this. You hurt this person, or this is something that you said out of anger. And, not, and when we receive that conviction from the Holy Spirit, there is also this yes and amen from within our spirit that says, yes, we acknowledge, yes, that that was wrong, and that I need to do some course correction here. Right? The Holy Spirit gives us that measure of yes and amen as well as the conviction. Yes, that's right, that, 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 was, that was not right. The accusation of, of the enemy focuses on your identity. You're a terrible person. Look at you. You're not good enough. You, you're failure. 
You're done. God doesn't love you. Focuses on the identity. Right? There's a big difference. The accusations of the enemy focuses on your identity. And this is where we need to put on our last line of defense, which is putting on the helmet of salvation, which speaks of your identity in Christ. Again, salvation is a gift from God. Right? God gave us this gift. We didn't obtain it on our own strength. We didn't earn it on our own through our own merit, it's something God gives to us through Christ. Therefore, we can say, when the accusations of the enemy come, by placing the helmet of salvation on, we can say, I am a child of God because of what Jesus has done. God sent Jesus to reconcile me to himself. My identity is in Christ, not in my shortcomings. We can say that, confidently say that. I am the righteousness of God. Not because I muster up righteousness on my own, but because Jesus gives his righteousness and clothes me with his righteousness. I am the righteousness of God because of Jesus. Again, Jesus who is in me, the hope of glory. We can stand firm in that. We can speak over our circumstances and say, over this trial, over this mountain, over this difficulty, this circumstance, God can work for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purposes. That's what the helmet of salvation is all about. Declaring the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. And so may the Lord strengthen you in your inner person that you may see the gift of God in you, that you are his child that you are saved, that you are redeemed, that you are justified, that you are being sanctified, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in Christ Jesus, that you are one with him in Christ. And may the Lord arm you with his armor so that you may stand firm in all that he is and all that he has done for you. And may the Lord be with you now and always, and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. God, you are with us through every circumstance we face in life, through every trial, through everything that we do and everything we experience. God, you are there. You are there. And sometimes our focus needs to shift a bit onto you the author and perfecter of our faith, that you are with us. That even the waves, even the wind, the storm, you have authority over those things. And so we trust in you. And so God, I want to speak a blessing over each person in this place that we would be able to walk in the victory that you gave each and every one of us. That we don't have to be those who come under the attacks of the enemy without any armor, but that we could stand firm when those accusations come because of the gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of the armor that you have given each and every one of us. Help us to stand firm. Help us to keep our sights upon you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives and, and, and in this church. 
And we pray a blessing in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a wonderful day.